Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. Hi James. Hi Clarence. How are you? Great, nice to see you again. Likewise. Where are you? I'm in UK in Norwich. Ah, right. It's home leave time, right? Yes, and I've really enjoyed it. I put on a few kilos with the cooking of my parents. <laughs> and and how often do you get to go home? Usually once every four years when you're in another continent. Because normally I'm in... Last time we spoke in our podcast, I was in Manila. That's where I'm assigned. And I That's hope right, to be yeah. going back there soon. Ah, right. Okay. So you're back home with, with mom and dad? Yes, mom and dad. And my younger brother's actually staying. His name is Daniel. 
so it's uh, great to be uh, although we're on so quite a strict lockdown in uk as you as you know so but otherwise enjoying so mom and dad must be quite happy to have you back yes very happy to see their beloved son <laughs> <laughs> how about you how, how are you doing yeah it's the same james i mean we yeah we are just going through also similar lockdowns we were open we were closed like the last time and we talked yeah so we are in a little bit of a, a lockdown but not as, as strict as the first one yeah. um yeah so the situation is seems to be escalating uh, so we do not really know where we are headed uh what are we looking at in the coming months or the coming days also i mean we're not too sure uh, so yeah. things are a bit difficult you know so yeah i mean yeah, so so travel is is very difficult. Miss, I miss tra I miss traveling though. Uh, yes. You you must be very brave to have traveled back home. I mean, from from Manila back to to the UK in the height of the pandemic. How was that? Well, I booked my flight for December eight. So as we know, that's a special day, Mother Mary's feast and the Immaculate Conception. So I thought I'll leave it in her hands, and I got home fine. Of course, there was a particular moment when he was able to travel. After that, there was a travel ban. So the Philippines had a travel ban, and rightly so, because it was concerned. But the travel ban is now being lifted. So it kind of providentially worked out fine. And, you know, as long as you take precautions on the flight, you have to wear your mask and a shield and hand washing, social distancing. So. Oh, okay. All right. So how was Christmas home? I mean, do you... I don't think you get to go home for Christmas very often, do you? I mean, this, this must be a a rare occasion that you got home for Christmas. time in 20 years. So, yes, of course, it's lovely to be. Christmas is a special time. And I also enjoy spending Christmas with my community. But it's different to be, in that sense, at home. For example, in the Philippines, the Christmas is usually a bit warmer. And they have what's called Noche Buena, which comes from the Spanish culture which is like a meal quite late on December 24. Whereas, you know, the British culture is more the 25th is the lunch. So, and it's usually colder than Manila. So some differences. <laughs> but still, I, still I, baby Jesus is born. The same baby Jesus, Manila, London, KL. Yeah, probably probably with th thicker swaddling clothes in the UK than in the Philippines uh -huh, for uh, baby yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, to keep him away from the cold. Thermal uh, lighting, yes. When were you here the last time, James? You, I mean, we met when? What, two years ago? You, you were in KL? Yes. yes um, from our Verbum Day mission in the Philippines, we probably, I was going to Malaysia around once a year over the last seven to eight years. I went with different um, priests and sometimes with the sisters also Verbum Day. So to KL, sometimes also to Miri. And we've been oh, also right. to KK and... Um, the the birthplace of oh my goodness I've forgotten the city Malacca Malacca yes Malacca well done thanks Francis That's Francis Xavier to do it in a dialogue because it comes across you know what one doesn't say the other fills in so thanks bro <laughs> <laughs> ah right 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 that's that's nice James I mean I mean you know the last time when you were here hmm. I mean uh, I mean of course I mean you and I studied both in the in the same uh, uh, postgraduate school. And we have met several times and built a friendship over the years yeah. of meeting in different conferences. We we don't meet in Asia. Very often we meet outside of Asia. When was the last yeah. before that? We met in, uh, before coming here, it was in Sarajevo in Bosnia, Sarajevo? right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then we met in Bangalore. 
Yeah. You know, and, and we, are, we are often talking about, you know, things that are happening in the world. And both of us studied moral theology. You know, I thought we'd just have a conversation. I mean, just exchange ideas about what's happening in, in the world this time. You know, lots of uh, challenges, lots of difficulties, lots and lots of questions uh, out there. You know, I've yeah. been getting questions. I'm sure you have been getting questions, you know. And, yeah. and interestingly, you know, the, when the last time when you were here two years ago, if you remember in my office, I was actually writing writing a response to a, a newspaper question uh, about vaccinations. I, I don't know whether you remember that conversation. Yeah, yeah and you know we had to make. A, it was nice to consult you and just to get a get a somebody to to bounce it off, you know, about vaccination and and what is the position of the church, uh, you know. And and we talked about it quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and the question, I mean, the question has come back again, you know, now with with COVID, of course, the context is different. You know, when we were talking about vaccinations in general, you know, we talked about, you know, the idea of protecting human life and, you know, yeah, I was thinking, yeah. you know, I think the church holds, right? I mean, the very basic principle of, of life is that, you know, life is sacred. You know, it's, yeah. it's something that, that we want to protect at, at all costs. And that, that must be, I mean, that's a principle that, that I mean, we all learned, I guess. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, when you were, when you were in Alfonsianum, uh, uh, what year were you there, James? I forgot you were. I was there 2006 there. until 2008. Ah, yeah, so this just after I had left. And I'm, I'm sure you, you remember your bioethics professor, Fagioni. I'm sure yes. you were still there. Maurizio Fagioni. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the principles of, of life, I mean, the church holds on to. I mean, what do, you, what do you think? I mean, in today's world, how does that apply? I think that most people, we could say, like of goodwill, of good intention, good heart, can grasp the goodness of life. That it's a good thing. For example, it's good to be with your family. It's good to enjoy. I mean, people can probably grasp pretty simply that life is a good the thing that's challenging is, of course, to, to apply the principles in concrete situations. Okay, we know it's a good, but what is the good in this situation? And that's always, that's one of the things I remember from the teaching of St. Alphonsus Liguri, who, of course, the inspiration behind the Alphonsianum is St. Alphonsus Liguri. He would say one of the most challenging things in decision-making, like in ethical decision-making, is to choose the right principle and then to apply it also. So we know life is a good, but in the concrete situations, what is really the good thing to do? That's where the discussion can come in. Yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, the whole idea of life being sacred uh, also is something that, that we often talk about, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you keep that? Um, you know, when, I, I mean, I've had these conversations with many people, you know, we, we talk about, about, you know, whether it's the quality of life, uh, between the quality and life and the sanctity of life, you know, where, where, do, you, where do you find a, a healthy balance? And, and sometimes, you know, uh, in different situations, people think that it is just the quality of life. And if the quality of life is not good, it's not worth living, but forgetting that there is a sanctity of life that we often talk about, you know, that life is not just not a commodity and, you know, life is sacred. I mean, you went to medical school, I'm, I'm sure, you know, mm. That the, the Hippocratic oath that you that you take, you know, yeah. the very basic is you know, uh, first do no harm. You know that's what we all remember. I remember at least a little bit of the Latin, you know, primum non nocere that we were all told about. Yeah. But it is hard in this in, in this as you say it is hard in in these times to 
to hold on to that principle, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that sacredness of life when everything is looked at in terms of quality, in terms of, of, of its usability. How, how do we hold on to the sacredness of life? It's quite yeah. challenging. Yeah, I think it's good to recognize that it is a challenge, not just to say no, not to make light of it. It is a challenge. But I think that's one of the beautiful things about, the, for example, the Catholic faith, that it does cast light on these difficult areas, that the Catholic faith is not only a prayer and for example, to light a candle. And of course, this can be a wonderful part of the faith, the worship. But there's also a doctrinal teaching side that if we sometimes we don't know what we'd like to look maybe we just don't know where but on a lot of these issues of life of course the church has been very proactive in sharing its teachings and trying to cast light on these kind of conundrums which we face every day so i really give thanks for the teachings of the church and i hope that more and more catholics they are interested in them but more of them can perhaps digest this teaching also and be able to apply it to their own uh, thinking about the problems of today. When we, we all, I remember, I mean, at least learning all the principles, uh, all the principles that are, I mean, we always hold that the principles are, are, are not changing, uh, you know, but the context keeps changing. I mean, especially in, in, in the medical field, you know, uh, you know, it's the whole idea of how technology has progressed uh, and health and, you know, how these principles sometimes are seen as not relevant or uh, too archaic or you know not up to date you know but yeah. I, I like you say i mean some of this principle eternal i mean like you know do no harm protect life uh, these are very core principles that we hold on to and i think these are these are the questions that that we are confronted with today in in this in this new challenge isn't it i mean in the world that we live in today how do we protect life in the time of a pandemic Yes, I think, I mean, one thing is that uh, we have to be able to articulate clearly the, the thinking we have behind it. And as we said, the, the principles are there. I think it's good to hold on to them and to be able to try to apply them in the different contexts. The, what is interesting, as we showed earlier, was that this issue, for example, of vaccination, it's come up before. That's why we were discussing it before. There's church teachings that pertain to that area from before. But, of course, in the light of the current events, the spotlight is back again on this topic and the church is returning and that's why it's giving it more attention. But as we said, it's not the first time it's looked at the issue, but it really is a, a pressing time to address the pandemic we are in. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... I mean, you were saying there's a lot of information going on. I mean, you get all kinds of messages, you get all kinds of uh, videos, sometimes, you know, very conflicting, puts the Catholic in a very difficult position. So maybe we thought this evening we we talk a little bit about, you know, uh, the vaccine and, and, you know, and the context that we are in. And it's pretty, especially the conversations that are happening among Catholic theologians uh, about the permissibility of, of vaccination or can we use a tainted, uh, vaccine, you know, this, this, these are some of the things that you know that people are people are asking. You know, as I said, this is a conversation. You know, a conversation that that we are having. So, you know, I don't know whether you have watched this program called "Who Wants to Be a Millionaire." You know, and when you are stuck in this question, you can call a friend, and that's one of the one of those cards. So, I thought I br I brought in another friend this evening, uh, just to bring in Dr. Sharon uh, uh, into a little. Uh, 
Hi Sharon, good evening. Sharon, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Ah, all right. Okay, you are muted for a while. How are you? Have you had a dinner? Um, not yet. Right after this, Father. <laughs> so, Father James and I have been talking a little bit about you know the context that we are in. You know how Catholics are a bit conflicted about you know the choices that they have to make. Uh, you know, maybe we thought we start with just having a conversation about you know the vaccines because that's you know at, at the forefront at the moment. I mean. I, I'm not uh, James. You are you are in the UK. They've already rolled out the vaccine, uh, you know. And uh, here in Malaysia, we are still not very sure when, what, how is going to happen. But no, just I mean, if I if somebody came and asked me, Sharon, I mean, because as priests, we asked how how what what are the differences between the the different vaccinations that we have? If you could give us you know kind of a sim simple understanding of you know. Not so much in the, in the in the in the medical sense. James may understand. I may not understand completely. You know. Yes, sure. So the novel SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus. Um, it's an absolutely new virus, completely new to the human body, and uh, we do not have the adequate. Uh, we do not have antibodies at all for this virus. Hence, the need for vaccine. But the story about vaccines has been buzzing so much. Like every day we hear different, different stories from different parts of the world on the different types of vaccines. So uh, there are actually four main types of vaccine. And the one that we have been hearing the most is the mRNA vaccine. So basically it's uh, M for messenger, R for ribonucleic acid. So now it's not a DNA, it's just an RNA. So DNA actually has double strength double strength, whereas the mRNA uh, only has a single strand. So it's like, it codes, all right, it's a coding process. So now it's like, it's just the, M the RNA from the COVID, the coronavirus, is used to manufacture the vaccine. So what it actually does is, when we are given the vaccine, this mRNA stands there and gives instructions to our body to stimulate our immune system to produce antibodies. Now, actually, it, actually, uh, the the mRNA comes in and then it produces a spike, uh, the, the protein spikes, stimulates the immune system, and then we, uh, to produce antibodies. It's a cascade of uh, reaction, but at the end of the day, the objective is uh, to produce antibodies. And now, the RNA uh, does not in any way actually alter our genetic material or our DNA. So that's how the RNA vaccine works. And the two famous ones that has been rolled out is the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine. It should be arriving in our shores somewhere this year, hopefully. You know? Yeah. And then we also have three other types of uh, vaccine. Just very quickly, we have the Oxford uh, by uh, AstraZeneca. And we have the Sputnik uh, vaccine from Russia. So now these are known as the viral vector vaccines. So now basically what it is, is an engineered virus. It's used to manufacture the vaccine. It's given to us to stimulate our immune system to produce antibodies. Same mechanism. And then we have uh, the uh, protein vaccine. So 
Now, that is just a fragment of the protein from the coronavirus is used to manufacture the vaccine. Again, given to us, stimulate our immune system, produce antibodies. And the last one is actually known as the attenuated vaccine, which is uh, basically a weakened, inactive form of the virus itself. Used to manufacture the vaccine, given to us, stimulate our immune system, to produce antibodies. And uh, China has one that's already been rolled out. India has as well. So it's known as, the China one is known as Sinovac. And India's vaccine is known as Covaxin by Bharat Biotech. So again, the, the whole emphasis is, is for us to have the antibodies to combat the virus, uh, since it's just absolutely new to the human body. I hope it's simplified enough. <laughs> right. But I think I think I mean before we before we uh, for the James and I bring to for the James attention. You know the whole research. You know that's that's the conversation in in, in Catholic circles. You know whether you know whether uh, you know aborted fetuses had been used in the research. You know uh, that's that's been the you know since December that's been in in, in the minds of, of many theologians. Uh, how do you can we take the vaccine or not? Uh, yeah, but one of the things that, that I keep uh, getting, or at least I hear, uh, in in terms of, you know, people people are afraid because of the urgency with which uh, these vaccines have been rolled out. You know, uh, because I don't know how long does it take normally for for a vaccine to to go through the stages of of test. You know, and this has kind of an accelerated kind of a process. So I guess that's the, that's the fear of a lot of people, isn't it, Sharon? Yes, absolutely right, Father, because it takes about uh, two years at least for a vaccine to be rolled out. But here we have got them within six months. Um, so they actually go through the uh, preclinical phase, which is tested on uh, animals, uh, mice and monkeys. Then it heads on to the phase one of the trials, which are uh, tested on humans, just a very small uh, population. Then phase two is basically where you have about hundreds of participants, phase three, thousands of participants, and then it goes to FDA for approval and then third party approval and so forth. So actually the FDA's requirement at phase three is that it requires only 3,000 participants uh, at that phase. But the Pfizer actually had 30,000 participants and Moderna had 44,000 participants. So, um, and also with the special permission called the EUA, Emergency Use uh, 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 Approval, which has been obtained from the US and from the European Union, so, which is why the vaccines have been rolled out a lot faster, but no corners have been cut and no steps have been skipped. So they have followed the guidelines and yeah, what I, I mean, all that needs to be uh, followed carefully too. And uh, so, and all the data is actually online, the clinical studies and the results for every single paper. Well, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, when anything that is accelerated is always looked at, you know, any, anything that you produce for, for that matter, if you produce a cow within six months, it's always looked with suspicion, isn't it? I mean, I mean, yes. and where the car comes from and who's producing it. I mean, this is a, an, an everyday conversation. But among among Catholic ethicists, I think this is what James, I think we were talking about, you know, in terms of the 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 source, the origin, you know, in terms of whether it's come from you know, you know fetal cell lines, 
you know what what is the church's position i mean in, in this in this area you know this is not something to, that we discussed just now I mean, much earlier yeah. yeah just to i'll just begin adding on a comment to the fast production i would say desperate times desperate measures we also have to see it in that context it's not a typical situation this pandemic has claimed um, millions of lives and so many people affected so desperate times desperate measures so that's one thing the second thing is when we look at the side effects possible side effects i think we also have to weigh up the side effects of getting coronavirus it's no small thing that there are very serious side effects you know death and many other problems so it's a very serious issue we're dealing with um, i think that needs to be borne in mind it's not just should I take a virus with side effects or not? No, I think it's good to weigh up. Should I take a virus with possible side effects versus the known side effects of having COVID? Um, in terms of, yeah, the origin of the vaccines, of course, we, we heard there's different types of vaccines. And one of the questions that comes up is what is the origin? Where did they come from? The church previously addressed this question because in in summary, when they want to do research and development and testing on a vaccine, of course, it needs to be tested to clear the tests and hurdles to make sure that it's going to be safe. So in those different moments of research and production, they would normally use cells to grow the virus in. And worldwide, what's happened is there is a cell line. There is a group of cells that continues to grow and can be shared between laboratories. And if you trace back the origin of these cells, there were some abortions occurring in the 1960s, 1970s, and many of these cell lines came from those abortions. So the first thing we know is very clear, then the church will give a no to abortion, because as we shared at the beginning of our discussion, Clarence, the yeah. sacredness of life, you cannot violate that sanctity of life. So that is clear, and that is not in question. But the question here is not is abortion wrong or not that's not the question because the answer is clear that that initial event was wrong the question is the cooperation in something that is wrong for specific reasons or you could say for emergency reasons do the emergency reasons we have justify the cooperation in a wrongdoing which was in the in the 60s and the 70s and the church has specifically looked at that question and in december of last year it gave its answer and it announced that where there are no other vaccines available either for the availability costing main, there could be different reasons where those other vaccines are not available it is morally acceptable to take these what are called ethically tainted vaccines and that's the clear decision of the church and the reasons for it they would say is that you're when you're taking that vaccine you're not saying that you agree in any way with the initial wrong event in fact your cooperation i don't agree with the initial event but it was so far away or so long ago historically that my participation or cooperation is remote so i'm not agreeing with the initial event this event that happened in the past but because of the extraordinary reasons that we have, the grave reasons or proportionate reasons, which are this virus is causing a pandemic, 
Many have died, many are sick, the hospitals are overloaded. If I don't take it, I might transmit the infection to others. For all these reasons, the church has clearly announced it is morally acceptable to take the vaccine. And the last thing, just in this point, at least for the moment, is the vaccine itself does not contain the aborted fetal cells. This is a type of fake news or scare news. And it's incorrect. I'm not sure Dr. Sharon can confirm that. But medically speaking, there's no cell from the aborted fetus in the vaccine. Otherwise, the Vatican pronouncement would have been different. So I think we have to have a little bit of trust. If, for example, we say we are Catholic, we can also have a little bit of confidence in the pronouncements of the Vatican on these issues. I think there were, there were, two, there were two pronouncements in December from the Vatican. Uh, one came from the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith. Um, and then the, the, the one later towards the end of December was from the, the, the COVID task force in the Vatican. But it's something that's not recent. I mean, I, I remember in 2005, uh, the Pontifical Academy for Life had already talked about, you know, uh, about vaccines prepared from aborted human fetuses. So the conversation that the church is having just not because of, of, of COVID. It's a conversation that the church has been having uh, in terms of these challenges and and difficulties, but I guess I guess I guess that's where you know, of course, this evening what we are talking is of course we are not addressing the scientific issues because probably we don't have enough data to to address those things. Uh, but we are talking from from a Catholic moral uh, teaching perspective of the church. You know where does all this lead to, or where does this all stand? Because. I don't, James, you, if you remember, I mean, it's same. The same Saint Alphonsus talks about the principles, the principle of cooperation, and we have used, you know, somehow we all connected. Uh, it's, it's, you know, how closely connected, or do we cooperate with an evil act, or how distant? Does uh, does play an important part in in terms of, you know, understanding the morality of the situation? Uh, I, I mean, I, I remember things like, you know, there's direct cooperation, there's indirect cooperation. You know, there's remote cooperation, there's material cooperation, but the way you are saying this one is it's, it's so so remote yeah, uh, that you know that it, that we didn't have a choice or we didn't have a say in the first decision. Is it? I mean, is, is, is that how we, we look at it? Right? I mean, I guess. I think what what I've noticed there's some confusion among certain Catholics between where the original wrongdoing and our participation in something that's wrong. So, for example, you hear comments like, ah, so that means the church is saying it's okay to kill the unborn child, or to save ourselves, we can do that. <clears throat> I think they shouldn't um, oversimplify the issue. I think the, the Vatican has looked clearly into this, and it's, what it's trying to tell us is, look, the original wrong is wrong, and nothing is going to right a wrong, and that's not in question, and we're not debating that, and we don't need to debate it. But, the participation in the wrong event, as we said, there's different classifications. So it could be formal or material, which means I share the intention or not. It could be immediate, immediate. It could be you know, proximal or remote. There's a lot of sub-classifications within cooperating with a wrong action. And in this case, the determination is that it's a remote or very remote participation. And one of the things I find difficult is if the person is not able to value a pronouncement from the congregation of the doctrine of the faith and they don't take it on its merit for where it's coming from because they watched the video on facebook 
I find it's very hard to dialogue with such a person because there's no like you could say no moral hierarchy. So the pronouncement of the congregation of the doctrine of the faith is totally irrelevant for me because I read something on Facebook. Okay. So I would say that you're not that in that sense, you're not really being adherent to the Catholic teaching because they've made the pronouncement already. So if we don't have some sort of hierarchy in the truths, in the end, it creates a lot of confusion. It becomes very messy. Yeah, I guess, you know, I mean, I mean I'm sure Sharon in her in her own profession, before a patient comes to see you, the patient has already Googled and and found all the possible answers and telling you, isn't it? I mean, does it, do, do you see that in, in your own profession? Yeah, the Google doctor is more famous than all of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they already have their list of differential diagnoses when they come in and, and what could the treatment plan be like. You know, so sometimes I do get dictated, but um but the large majority of them are uh, you know, are, are fine. Yeah, but I, James, I think I think this is where I think we 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 want. I wanted to also you know kind of talk about this this whole idea of protection of life. Uh, it is not just you know me holding a higher moral ground on somebody else, but you know because we live in a community that I also have a responsibility to protect someone else's life uh, and not just my own. I think uh, in in that sense. I guess that that's where I mean the Vatican also talks. The document talks about you know being being in solidarity with humanity. Yes. Uh, that you know that that you also look after other people. So in, in such a situation, there seems to be a higher uh, uh, value uh, in terms of the the, the vaccine or, of the or, or the if the vaccine is is tainted. I mean, you rightly said. I mean, we are not condoning it. Uh, we are not saying it's right and. Of course, I mean, even the document says that if there's an alternative, then, then we yeah. should ask for an alternative, yes, you know, uh, if it's possible. And, and I don't even know, I mean, Sharon, I don't even know. Let's say when it comes to Malaysia, uh, do I have a choice to say, no, I don't want this, I want the other one. You know, you, you might be just on a, on, a, on, a, on a list and you get what you're given. That's about all, you know. Uh, so the whole principle of solidarity, human solidarity is something, you know, that... that Maybe at this situation also calls for for a reflection from us. What what do you think, James? Yes, well, I think that I mean some of the answers might be you know uh, I'm in conscience I am free to make a choice. The first thing I'll share about that is that the choice we are making to vaccinate vaccination is a good. In other words, it's like saying I'm free in conscience to help the poor or not. Yeah, but to help the poor is a good thing. It, so we are trying to I say encourage an option for something that is good and in my personal choice of conscience no man is an island no woman is an island we are social beings so my choices also have to take into consideration the others and that's why in the church teachings there's such an emphasis on the common good the common good that i have to also think of the good of others and i think that's what would be expected probably in any country by a reasonably responsible citizen is not just to be concerned for oneself one's own health but also for the health and well-being of the others that's why there's that emphasis on the common good yeah yeah i mean in some ways you know this principle you know is as good as the principle to protect life because because my my action uh, is also you know it contributes to the protection of human society or humanity for that matter for for everyone uh you know of course i mean 
like you say, we, we talk about the common good and solidarity. I mean, even the document says that, uh, I mean, you cannot, you cannot oblige or no one is morally obligated because there's also the matter of conscience, yes. you know. And, and if you choose not to, I mean, then you are, there, are, there are subsequent actions that one has to take also in order to protect others. Uh, and I think that's something that I guess we have to start thinking also that, like you say, I mean, no man is an island, no woman is an island, you know. We are all now like, you know, in different parts of the world and we don't even communicate with what, I mean, we don't have face-to-face -face or physical uh, connection. So what is the common good in this situation then? I think one thing that's important as well is the decision of conscience is not like a starting point, but it should be an end point in the sense that I have to do my homework. So some things I think would be important is a person to come to a reasonable decision of conscience. For example, I'd be a little bit worried if they spent so much time reading uh, news and watching videos that they didn't have any time left to even read what the church said. I think that would not really be good homework. And in sometimes the sources that people are using, I mean, was it church approved? Is it even scientifically approved? I'm just sharing that because in some cultures and countries, they're a little bit more prone to just receive anything in an acritical fashion. And some of the things that people have been sending me, I wonder why on earth they're even bothering to watch it. It's so scaremongering and so reactionary. It's like, oh my goodness, it sounds like a soap opera, the way this is being presented. And it's not a Catholic-approved site. It's not a diocesan-approved site. It's hardly even scientifically approved. Yet the person is using that for their decision of conscience. So I would put a big question mark there. I think it's good to do what the Lord did sometimes. When he heard that the daughter of Jairus had died, he knew it was fake news and he ignored it. So sometimes we need to fast a little bit on our sources and at least make sure that we've read the main church pronouncement. And then I can have more confidence that my decision of conscience is coming from a well-formed conscience. Yeah, yeah I, I guess it's, I mean, the information is out there. It's the question of to be discerning enough to choose the right information, uh, you know, because there's a whole information explosion that you know yeah we keep getting uh, messages from different people with different you know this that you know I'm, I'm sure i mean every morning you open the the newspaper or at least you turn on your 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 phone and you you get you know uh people who have not been sleeping throughout the night sending out messages uh, from one to the other but i think it's about being discerning enough to choose the the right ones and i think that's the most important thing and i think you know, I, I think that the, the two documents that have come out are, are very down-to-earth, um, very, very practical. And, and it addresses all the issues, actually, you know, uh, uh, about, you know, conscience, uh, about, you know, is there a moral obligation that you should take the vaccine? I mean, I mean, in no way our conversation this, this evening is, is either saying you should or you shouldn't, isn't it? I mean, we're not saying one or the other. You know, we're just trying to understand... Some of the difficulties people are facing, I guess, you know, having to read all this and 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 and, and not knowing what to choose or what to do uh, in, in such a situation, you know. I mean, I'm sure Sharon, you also read, you know, you the paper. I mean, people say, oh, somebody took this vaccine and they all died or something like that. You know, it's kind of sometimes, you know, you, you without knowing maybe that person had you know, other conditions that, you know, that uh, you know contributed you know so it's like a natural you know a, a natural conclusion by reading the headlines and 
everybody oh okay so yeah yeah but but how 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 is it in the uk james i mean how is it being being rolled out in the uk i mean i i know that i mean the, the how, how is it happening we were talking about it earlier i mean it's it's not about who can afford it but it's a there's a system isn't it yeah i think that the system in itself is quite moral because it's done by need so for example at the moment they're just finishing off the over 80 year old group so over 80s so they've done i think like 92 percent they haven't quite managed the, the rest because some of those care homes for example there's coronavirus in there so it's not so easy to access so it's not it's not going to be because of your position i can think of some countries where it's because of your position or whether you're rich or whether you have influence or whether you know doctors and here uh, it cannot be like that so it's by need and it's been done by age category so over 80s and can start the over 70s soon so the person receives a letter and then goes for vaccination so i, I think uh, it seems quite noble this is also a concern for the common good thinking in the good of all and doing it in an orderly fashion you're not allowed to jump the queue as i said because of your title position money but because of your need we could say clinical need so i find that quite noble the the vaccination like the order i hope other countries also could follow that kind of basis i guess we also realize that maybe you know smaller countries poorer countries will have will struggle with this uh, you know when they get it and when it's rolled out uh, you know it's because there's a great need at the moment isn't it i mean everybody is clamoring for it uh, every country is, you know, in, whether accessibility, uh, these are thing, uh, things, things that, you know, perhaps we should be concerned about whether the poor, the vulnerable will get it, you know. Uh, and I think these are, these are Catholic moral questions that really we, we should be talking about, uh, you know, and sometimes I think, yeah, you know, whether the Vatican has made it clear about, you know, fetal cell lines, what, what is it, but Maybe the conversations that we should be having is about, you know, it's about accessibility. Will everyone get it? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm trying to imagine the Philippines, I mean, or even for us um, in Sabah and Sarawak in the interior, you know, will they have the access uh, to, to vaccines? That's that's going to be a great challenge. And, you know, and, and, and the, other, the other worry is that, you know, it's a great opportunity for anybody who who wants to profit from this situation also is that, that the possibility is there, isn't it? Sharon, you're nodding your head. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have overnight billionaires in our country, actually. You know, the many middlemen involved in the transactions of the vaccine. Yeah. yeah, I think these are, for me, these are very important moral questions that, you know, that that, that we should be taking up and, and having a conversation, you know, that... That human yes, misery shouldn't be a shouldn't be an opportunity for someone else's profiting, isn't it? Yeah, sorry, yeah. James, you were saying something. Yes, I agree with you, Clarence, because sometimes the issue of whether the vaccines are ethically tainted, and of course, it's a primary concern. But the danger is when it becomes the only concern. So it takes all the headlines and all the attention, and it's like you're so focused there, you somehow like you you don't notice the enemy coming in the back door. So issues about economy for example the corruption in our societies will mean that the distribution of the vaccine the main moral issue will not be whether it's tainted or not in fact it will be the issue of corruption so one of the things that's important i think especially in the catholic vision is a, is a holistic moral approach 
not only to be so focused on one detail, no matter how important it can be, but it shouldn't cloud or overshadow the other moral concerns like accessibility to the vaccine. For example, in the UK, another group they're trying to give attention to is prisoners. So I don't know if we, even in the conscience of the ones who are so concerned about this ethical detail and that, did they think of that group? So I found that in, yeah, somehow it was very encouraging for me to know that, for example, in the UK, they're really giving attention to the, the prisoners. I can think of some places where I've been a missionary where I think the prisoners might be the last people on earth to get the vaccine because some people have such a negative opinion of them. That can be immoral, that type of reasoning. So, yeah, I think it's important to focus on important issues, but not lose the other important moral issues surrounding vaccination. Yeah, I, I think that, that that can be very myopic. Is that the way you look at things? You have a little this blindness <clears throat> that you forget there are other concerns uh, that, that that we should be worried as church. I, I guess we should be concerned about <clears throat> as. At this is, you know, we should be talking about all the other things, uh, you know, like Sharon said, overnight billionaires, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's it's a real challenge, you know. But you know, I mean, James, you also have had, always had this question about, you know, if someone decides not to, I mean, for example, you know, you you don't want to accept, you know, yeah, would that be like, you know, akin to, I mean, almost, I, mean, I don't know, I mean, of course, mortality rates in in Malaysia. I mean, comparatively, are not high. I think I'm mean, not saying that that you know that these lives don't matter. I'm not saying that either. You know, but compared to many other countries, um, but would it be akin to you know to suicide? I mean, if you don't accept the, the vaccine, would that would that be something that that we should be considering talking about? I mean, we always talk about you know when people don't want to accept certain treatments, yeah. apart from apart from vaccines. I mean, in general. Yeah, I think we'd have to bear in mind our you know, previous discussion about conscience and freedom. Um, I think what's worth remarking again is how did the person come to that decision? So what's their thoughts? And the, I mean, you don't just come up with a decision not to vaccinate, but what is your reasons why? So I think you'd have to really be clear to discern. I mean, there might be some medical reasons, for example, some categories of persons who are immunosuppressed whose immune system cannot is not functioning because of, for example, chemotherapy or some other reasons, they may not medically be able to take it. So that person could be making a good option you know, medically and morally. So I think what's important if you make that decision, no, is why. What is your reasons? In the same way as if you say yes, you have to have reasons. So it's not just to say no, but why? Because some, as I said, perhaps your presupposition could be wrong. I think we should not be naive. Our presuppositions could be incorrect. For example, we've mentioned some already. If you think, and because you heard that there are aborted cells in the vaccine, and there aren't, the tainting is not a medical cellular tainting, it's a moral tainting. But you could be confused about that and say, I'm not going to take it, because you have the wrong premise. So I think it's you know, what we're sharing is, of course, in conscience, you have to make a decision. Of course, it could be determined that it's no. Of course, that's the whole point of the decision-making. But you should also know your reasons. Why are you saying no? And some some of the conversations I've heard, some of the no's that I have heard, would actually, they would have to revisit their premises if they followed this type of discussion. And probably they would have to um, review their decision because sometimes the premises could be wrong. And yeah. 
teaching tells us if you do make a no, then you are still responsible for your health, the health of others, and you need to take appropriate measures. So the church contemplates that some people will say no in good conscience. It's in the documents, and it will tell you what to do if you make a no in good conscience. But make it in good conscience, not a misinformed conscience or a badly formed conscience. Yeah, I think that that's that's the struggle, I guess, you know, people get information bits and pieces from everywhere and, and, and you, you do not know, you know, what, and you try, to make, you try to make sense out of it and finally it's a kind of a warped conscience, basically. You're not able, you don't have the obje objectivity to make the right decisions and I think that's the challenge. That's the challenge that, you know, and I think as Catholics, we, we have this obligation to, to inform ourselves, you know. And I think that's that's another concern that we should be talking about, you know, that we shouldn't just sit back and you know expect everybody to tell us what is right what is wrong but you also take the initiative to inform yourselves and and to understand as much as possible i mean uh as to what i mean it's, it's the same i mean i mean any medication you take i mean uh sharon i mean any medication that you prescribe i mean there's always a possible side effect isn't it? I mean, you look at you in the leaflet, you know, they always tell you possible side effect. Even a headache is a side effect, isn't it? I mean, but sometimes you 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 consider between between the, the benefits, the immediate benefits and, and the future risk. Uh, you know, how, how do you how do you manage that? It is always something that that we, we that we that we are doing constantly, isn't it? I mean, it's not just this situation. Yes, Father. It's, it's about weighing out the benefit and the risk. And if the benefit actually outweighs the risk, then I think we should, you know. But then again, um, in Malaysia, the Ministry of Health has not uh, come up with any um, circular on the mandatory take of the vaccine. So um, there may be uh, groups of people who may not want to take the vaccine, but at the end of the day, it's their decision if they want to take or not. Um, Ministry of Health Malaysia has not so any as yet for now yeah you know you know initially when when the things when when this pandemic started we talked about uh, herd immunity you know we're talking of herd immunity you know i think this has also created a herd mentality for people you know just picking up you know all kinds of information from everywhere and and making uh making their own conclusions like what james you were saying you know uh, not going to the right source, uh, but just being, uh, you know, I mean, this, as you can see, you just Google it on YouTube, you get, you get, you as much as you get 100 opinions for, you also get another 100 opinions against, you know. So sometimes I think this is where for us Catholics, uh, we have the magisterium, you know, the church, and in, in times when, when I doubt, uh, times when we are unable to get all the facts, Church access, I mean, magisterium simply, I mean, the church access mother, right? I mean, we've, we've always been told that and a mother is someone who, who nurtures, who cares for the, her children. Uh, and the church has the best interests of of, of of the believers, isn't it? I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think there's anything else to to kind of, you know, to, to even uh, say that, you know, I mean, the church can't be pronouncing something that is bad for us. Yes. Yes, I think that's, I mean... We, perhaps we underline this, but I find it super important. It's like otherwise you just have like a moral hot pot. So I just put in the soup whatever I read, whoever says anything. The other thing we have to be careful of is sometimes before decision making, we can have a bias. For example, if I have a fear 
that are of vaccination sometimes even all the objective truth doesn't convince me or if i'm prejudiced against it i'll just tend to pick up what i like and ignore what i don't like so that's why i, I really get worried by people who've read and listened to all sorts of points and opinions and they have not had time to read the church teaching because they're so busy reading other things it's like hello i think really we have to have a little bit of mm, you, you are what you eat and that's a very common expression you are what you eat and that's very important when it comes to forming our conscience so there is really a duty of course you have to follow your conscience but the first thing is form it well first so do your homework and as some people have said, you know, if you're objective and you do your homework and try to read what the church says, if you look at some counter opinions, that can be fine, but maybe not making them the main source of my moral diet. And then in, you should be able to come to a correct decision of conscience. So it's not that difficult, but I think um, it is very important to follow that kind of methodology and not just open up the internet and just watch and read whatever is shared to me because you become totally lost. Yeah, I, I think that's that's an important point that that you know that perhaps you know I, I think this is the reality today. A lot of people don't want to read lengthy church documents, James. You know, they 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 want to give, give me two line answers. That, that's yeah. what that's what everybody. I'm sure. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, Sharon, you also encountered that. Uh, you know, people you ask them to go and read something. You know, they say, ah, oh, just give me a two line answer, and you know, yeah. and they form their conscience based on two lines or two, the headlines. Yeah. You know. That's the most uh, uh, eye-catching thing, and then you know, and, and form their own conscience. And I think that's a very important point that you know, and an informed conscience. I think that's that's the thing that we all need: an informed conscience, you know, uh, to get in the right place uh, to be able to do. So I, I think I know these are some of the things I think we talked about this evening. You know, in terms of I'm sure people want to know, you know, a lot of things about you know how Malaysia is going to roll it out, and I don't think there's there's much information yet. Uh, as to as far as I, I I don't know if there is I mean in, in terms of you know there's a lot of news we read you know uh, but you know people want to know who will get it first uh, do I have to sign up etc etc I guess these are all things that people will have to wait and share and there's a little more clarity for us in Malaysia. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I'd also yeah, Sharon. Okay. Yeah, the preliminary uh, directives that have come out is that uh, it's for the frontliners, the healthcare providers, the police, and the army. And then the subsequent batches, uh, they haven't, uh, that part has not been uh, uh, you know, clarified yet by the uh, ministry as to which age group, target groups, and you know, whether it's nursing homes first. and. So that part has not been ironed out yet, but we only know very, very preliminary information that for the healthcare, the army, and the police. So priests, priests are not frontliners, James. <laughs> <laughs> People are waiting to come back for mass and, and have the confession. So maybe we should be put signing up to be frontliners, uh, James. Yes. Uh, yeah. All the work is frontline. Yeah. Spiritual, spiritual doctors. Yes, even yeah. during the front line of the moral battle and all the questions. Yeah, are <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I think I think physically they are in the front line. If you are going to get the sacraments, sacrament anointing of the sick, and the Eucharist, um, of course, it depends on the context, the country, the rules. But yeah, in a lot of situations, they really will be uh, in a front line position. Uh, 
But I, I guess those who, who need it the most, uh, I, I mean, I would think yeah, those who are treating, those who are who are fighting this this pandemic, and uh, they were priority. I mean, I suppose in any country too, then the the more va- more vulnerable people uh, will probably get it. And the rest of us, I guess, we just have to take precautions. I mean, I, you know, I, I keep saying to people, you know, wearing a face mask or a shield is actually an act of charity. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you, you know. I, I, I even jokingly said it's part of the works of mercy now in this situation, you know, to to wear a mask to to protect someone else. You know, some some people are just so oblivious to it. You know, it's, they think, oh, it doesn't happen to me. It doesn't happen to me. I think that's that's that there are far greater moral challenges than just than just looking at you know the source of. I'm, I'm not saying it's not important, like you say, Father James. I mean, not that they are not important, but we have to see it also in in a, in a in a in a macro perspective in line with other issues that are that are also that that should concern us and 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 should be as we should be as as uh, uh, as concerned about these other things as much as we are concerned about the origins of of the the vaccine isn't it yeah yeah it's what we said sometimes you notice the person picking up on a detail which can be important and then totally forgetting the rest of their moral life for example their the way they handle their economy, whether they pray or not. So don't no no discussion about that. It's not contentious at all. All I'm focused on is this moral detail. Mm, I think we have to be careful with that um, to keep that holistic approach. And as we shared, this issue of the whether a vaccine is tainted or not, the church is not ignoring that question. That's what the recent pronouncements have been. If you can get a, a vaccine that's not ethically tainted, it's like, of course, take it. That's the number one priority. But... It also knows that for practical reasons, perhaps that vaccine is not available in your context or country. So if you can get a vaccine that's not ethically tainted, that's not ethically irreproachable, then you ha- then you should take that vaccine. If, if there are other vaccines that are tainted, you may not have a choice but to take that. And that's why the church is. So there is a kind of hierarchy in the ethical evaluation of the vaccines. Sometimes information is not easy to find. There are some institutes, for example, there's an institute called the Charlotte Lozier, which is um, L-O-Z-I-E-R. The Charlotte Lozier Institute does a lot of research to tell you what is the origin of the vaccine and give it like an ethical rating. And that information is used in the preparation of the church statements. Because remember, when the church makes a statement, some people have a division like, there's a church statement, and then there's like a medical statement. But when the church pronounces on a medical issue, it's consulting virologists, it's consulting doctors, it's consulting epidemiology. I mean, it does its homework before it makes a pronouncement. And in those pronouncements, the church has been referring to that information from the Charlotte Lozier Institute. So if anyone was particularly interested in the origin of the vaccines, what's their like ethical profile? they can consult the information available through that institute on the internet. Yeah, I think that's, that's an important point that, you know, that one has to remember. The church also doesn't make pronouncements in isolation or being oblivious to what's happening around. Uh, I mean, the clear example is, is the Pontifical Academy for Life. I mean, there are so many consultants there from so many different fields uh, who's actually advising the Holy Father and the congregations um, and and these are top-notch people in their fields uh, yeah. who are advising and not just you know uh, your fly-by-night uh, uh, scientists but they are, these are top-notch people 
who are advising. I think that's that's an important thing that people should remember also. Mm-hmm. That yeah, the church never makes a pronouncement in isolation. It's always to help, isn't it? I mean, the, the church, as I said earlier, church is the mother, the mother that nurtures, the mother that helps, and the mother that, that accompanies. I mean, it's just like, you know, any child, I mean, at a threat of a danger, where does the child run to? Very often it's, yeah, I mean, I don't say it's always the mother, but sometimes the mother or the father, you know, uh, you know. But, and I think that's that's the kind of attitude that I guess we too have to take on when we are confronted sometimes with moral dilemmas. Where do we run to? Mm-hmm. Certainly not the internet or, or you know, but to... Or to you the... go to, uh, type in Vatican Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. <laughs> <laughs> there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I... I, I uh, I, I don't want to hold on to you. And James, I think it's almost your lunchtime. Uh-huh. I'm with your, your family and Sharon also. I'd like to go. Uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for for the, thanks for this conversation. I mean, I think I think you know. I know there are lots of uh, people who would like to ask questions. I'm sure, but you know, we we said that you know, this is and you know, people will get to eavesdrop on a conversation between between us. Uh, so I mean, people who have lots of questions, you know, we're saying that you know, go look for the right places. To look for the information, you know, uh, look at church documents for Catholics, look at what's out there, you know, don't just, you know, uh, narrow yourself to to WhatsApp messages that are being forwarded mm. every morning, but like a hundred things, but, you know, to, to read up and to be informed and be informed. And I think that, and at the end, I think, James, I think this is what, you know, the, the, the last document that came out right at the end, it says, if you do choose not to, for whatever reasons, then you have a moral obligation to protect others, isn't it? I mean, that's very clear. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, so in no way the church is is compelling anyone or saying that you should, you know. But with good conscience, informed conscience, uh, that you have got all all the information that you require and you've you've studied it and you have asked people, and at the end of it all, you still think that you know you don't want to take it. Then there's another obligation that comes in. Yeah. Yeah, the church also. I mean, I would agree with what we're sharing. You know, you're only as you're only as good as your sources. I think that's really one conclusion we can draw. You're only as good as your sources, and to really make sure and to be a little bit more discerning and not just eat everything that's thrown at me. That is a good recipe for making yourself a little bit sick, morally speaking. You have to choose well your sources, and try and put a little bit of hierarchy of the truth otherwise everything is relative so the pope made a pronouncement and the congregation of the doctrine of faith studied it and they got the experts and they spread it and did a big investigation da, 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 da. but then i got a tweet today so that negates that i mean if we're going to work like that i would say it's moral anarchy so part of me being catholic for example is that to try to be faithful or at least know being faithful great but at least to know that what the church says and it cannot be that I'm looking at so many other things and I don't know what the church is saying on these important issues. That's one. The second thing, just to remember that when it talks about the tainted vaccines, it's not just to receive them and not make any response. The church also would underline that we have a duty as church. And many ethical institutions are already doing this. They're already woken up, maybe long before we have individually that we need to speak to the pharmaceutical companies. We need to tell them that we cannot be using these cell lines with these tainted origins. We need to be looking for new ways. And I think the pharmaceutical industries are starting to feel this pressure, which is relatively new, uh, to look for cell lines of a more ethical origin. 
then we have a duty in conscience also to make that objection known. And the church is trying to do that. Some ethical bodies are trying to do that. So we're also part of that voice of the church. That's another way of responding to the issue of the tainted vaccines. Yeah. You know, I mean, we were, we've been talking about the church documents. Maybe I just want to, to call out the documents so that, you know, whoever's eavesdropping on us would know what these documents are. You know, uh, I think that the, the first one, I mean, the, the earliest one that came, it was in 2005, I think, but the more recent one was 2020, 21st of December, uh, 2020. If if anybody wants to look, it's for the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith. Uh, it's entitled, Note on the Morality of Using Some Anti-COVID-19 Vaccines. Note on the Morality of Using Some Anti-COVID-19 Vaccines came out 21st December, just before Christmas. And on the 29th of December, uh, the Vatican COVID-19 Commission. So there is a commission in the Vatican, uh, uh, James, uh, Sharon. I mean, if people are thinking the Holy Father is sitting there and dwindling his thumbs and say, what shall I write this morning? There is a whole commission. There is the studying and asking at expert advice. Uh, and there is one uh, that come out 20 points for a fairer, healthier world that was issued on the 29th of December. So, if people are looking for documents to read, these are the two ones. But the earlier one that came out in 2005, uh, it was Moral Reflections on uh, Vaccines Prepared from Aborted Human Fetuses. Yeah, but that was in a more generic sense. I think they were, they were referring to other vaccines, uh, but not specifically to, to COVID-19. So if people are listening in to us uh, this evening, if you want to look at what the church has pronounced, uh, the first two that came out last year, and maybe if you want to read more, to go back to 2005. Yep. Uh, so I better let you all go. Uh, thanks, James. Uh, Sharon, any any closing words that you want to say? Um, there's been quite a number of questions as well on, on uh, how we can actually look after ourselves and our family. So, you know, besides the usual precaution of wearing face, social distancing and the adequate hand hygiene, um, vitamin C, vitamin D3, and zinc. And all these have sufficient uh, clinical papers on boosting our immune system to stay healthy with our family, uh, keeping, uh, able to uh, manage the symptoms of COVID should we contract the virus. So these are sufficient for us. And I just suggest everyone stay safe. Let's follow the guidelines and the SOPs that has been set by our government and uh, when the vaccines are rolled out slowly, uh, you know, as we spoke earlier about the different types of vaccines, so um, gradually it will be rolled out in Malaysia and then uh, what's available according to the different categories, we will all receive them. But again, you know, uh, it's up to every individual whether they want to take the vaccine or not. So you can make a sound decision based on the information that has been given uh, by Father James with the materials as well that they've just mentioned. And for the scientific part, I would suggest, I strongly suggest to visit the CDC website. It's got all the information on all the clinical trials of all the vaccines, as well as the uh, adverse effects, the isolated adverse effects in different countries, uh, as well as the short-term side effects. The information are all available on the CDC website. It's a really good source, as well as the FDA website. So, so CDC as, as in Center for Disease Control, right? So I, I hopefully they, yes. because if you talk CDC, they in the Google, they might get something else and you could be reading something else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So the U.S. Center for Disease Control. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of information there. Thanks, Sharon, for joining us for this conversation. Yeah, James, you. any words? The next time when you come on, I'm going to get you to play the bagpipe. I didn't realize that you play the bagpipe. Yes, it's. I'm learning. Let's say it could be a good way to end because people will cut the chat if they're overstaying their welcome. So now I'm learning some songs. It's a wonderful instrument. Ah, oh, you... right. <laughs> next time, next time. <laughs> On the next show, we'll get him to play the bagpipe. Yes. Right. Amazing Thanks. grace. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, James, you want to, to say a prayer and, and we close this conversation before we, I mean, we retire for the night and you uh, get a siesta, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let's place ourselves in the presence of the Lord, who we praise been guiding us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray for all the victims of COVID, all those who have died, all those who are sick. We give you thanks for the response of so many frontline workers. We also give thanks to you, Holy Spirit, for inspiring the medical profession, the researchers, pharmaceutical companies, come up with an antidote in the form of the vaccines. Help us, Lord, to be able to be in dialogue with one another, to listen to the views of others. And thank you so much for the gift of your teaching expressed through the magisterium and the teaching office of the church. Mother Mary, place our lives in your hands. May we never get tired of protecting and defending life as you did. All this we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father. Amen. Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope to see you in Malaysia soon, James, when you come back and when all this is settled. And yes. Maybe the three of us will will get a cup of coffee then. Uh, in the meantime, you have to make your own coffee, I guess. A cup of coffee without a face mask and the shield and distancing. And, yes. And okay. That's right. That's right. This is how we used to before and hope you're able to do that. Uh, just for, for the benefit of all those who are, who are listening into our this conversation. Anyway, if you're eavesdropping on our conversation, this is a conversation that you don't have to go to confession, that you eavesdrop on somebody else. So this is something that you know has been uh, shared with everyone. Hopefully, you got some information that you that you have been asking uh, we're not able to take all the questions, but you know, uh, hopefully, this kind of uh, is, acts as a catalyst for you to go and look up and read up, uh, get yourself informed also, uh, and to know uh, what's in the days to come. Let's let's be united in prayer also. Uh, some are wondering whether we do a weekly show on a Saturday morning. This is an extraordinary show because to time it together with uh, with Father James, uh, you uh, tomorrow uh, we'll still have our morning show. Uh, start, as we prepare to enter into the season of Lent, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Lenten campaigns, you know, what happens in Lent or, or during Lent and the Lenten campaigns that we all take part in, uh, what is in store for this year. So do join us uh, tomorrow morning at 10.30. We'll be live again uh, to talk to Father Albert and his staff from the Office of Development uh, on Lenten campaign this year. So until then... Thank you very much, everyone. Uh, to all our listeners, good night. Uh, Father James, have a good day. Uh, enjoy your stay with your family. Uh, regards to your mom and dad, your brother. Eat, eat more, get, get rounder uh, before you get back to the Philippines. <laughs> I'm sure your mom is. I'm sure your mom is spoiling you with some nice food also at home, and she must be enjoying company. Thank you very much. Stay safe, everyone. God bless. God bless.
his confidence I fly to you today I'm sinful, weak and sorrowful But strong enough to Was ever loved.